0: Right, Jen Cooper, the keeper here, ready for the next episode of the Mix Zone Women's Soccer Podcast. This is episode number 325, sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. And with the number 325, I want to go back in time, about four years. Back in August 2017, 3,325 fans watched Sky Blue FC rally from a three-goal deficit at home to edge the Seattle Rain 5-4 with both the equalizing goal and the game winner coming in stoppage time. Sam Kerr scored four times in that game for Sky Blue with all of her goals coming in the second half, marking the first time that one player had scored four goals in one NWSL game. And what made this match even crazier was the ta- was that the teams had battled to a 5-4 scoreline just three weeks before with the Rain earning the win that time. And on this weekend, or rather this coming weekend, those two teams face off again in New Jersey. Before years on, Sky Blue is now New Jersey-New York-Gotham FC. Seattle Rain is now OL Reign. And the teams will be playing at Red Bull Arena instead of Rutgers-Earsac Field. So, progress. Lots of progress. And I highly recommend watching. All right, one long chat today with Meg Linehan. Uh... If you don't already know Meg, don't already follow Meg, I highly recommend following Meg. She's been covering the game since she interned with the WSA's Boston Breakers nearly 20 years ago. Um, writes for the Athletic covers only women's soccer. So we had a nice long talk about the U.S. women's national team roster for the upcoming summer series. Some thoughts about the NWSL so far. And Meg did a really good job of breaking down the recent legal decision regarding Olivia Moultrie's bid to have a shot at playing in NWSL, even though she's under 18 and NWSL uh, purportedly has an 18-year-old, 18-year age minimum. So hope you enjoy my chat with Meg. And of course, there is a Splainer segment about Olympic roster size. And don't forget to follow me on Twitter at KeeperNotes, at MixZone, and that's always two X's mix zone and subscribe like share all those things that you should do with podcasts so enjoy all right jen cooper the keeper here with meg linihan staff writer for the athletic and staff writer of course for women's soccer meg so much stuff going on right now um how do you keep track of it all or do you not? You just like <laughs> roll with the flow of women's soccer.
1: Yeah. I mean, like, so for my role, right. Like I am a national writer, so I'm also not trying to like, I I definitely make an attempt to watch every single game. Am I successful to, at, at doing that live? Not always. <laughs> um, but you know, I, I think that my, my role and how I approach my work is not, you know, like, I'm not trying to be a beat writer for any specific team. And so I think that also kind of does give me a little bit of freedom to take that higher level view, right? Because if I'm a beat writer for a team, actually, it's actually the national team. (laughs) And then I get a whole nother league on top of it, right? So for me, it really is trying to figure out like, how do I approach this? Almost from a point of view of like trends, or what's happening with certain things, or like there's there's absolutely stuff. Like I think the Orlando Pride right now are a major story, so like yes. I've been sitting in on their post game zooms or their media availabilities more frequently, right? And in order to like start trying to collect some quotes and kind of stuff like that. But like, that's more my approach. Like I, there is no physical way that I could be in every single Zoom across this league on a, cause that, first of all, that would be 50% of my day. I yeah. think every day <laughs> at this yeah. point. Um, but I I think it's also interesting because I think it is a slightly different perspective than someone who is a, a beat reporter for like I think they have much greater insight into like a very specific team right like they're right. seeing players on a much more regular basis than I am so right. I think that's helpful though is to have that kind of differing opinion too
0: oh oh very, very much so and especially that you're not tasked with covering men's soccer you're not the soccer writer which is what is 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 normal and you know it's it's not necessarily a gender thing with that sometimes so much as telling you how how journalism especially sports journalism has shrunk so much over the last 20 years in terms of what newspapers and you know other outlets will you know pay for right you know like um so it's just it's great that that you know that that role is out there now you know, for, for you, for the athletic and that, yeah, there is somebody taking a, a bird's eye view of, of stuff. And, but, but let's start with Orlando because I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because that was really exciting to watch last night. Um, I was actually doing the, the Twitch chat moderating Mm. for for that game. So it's like I had the game like kind of on a small screen and the chat on a large screen. And it, and it's a very, interesting way to experience an mwsl match um <laughs> but but especially but especially that match where it's like morgan again three goals in three games you know which is yeah. stunning yeah. you know and, and, and then, LaRue
1: is yes
0: yeah. yes um and just those pieces coming together i mean if 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 you're Mark Skinner, are you not just going home and going, yes, finally,
1: <laughs> yes. I'm, yeah, I mean, I think it's really interesting, right? Like someone had tweeted at me last night, like, why is it only working now, right? As opposed to they've had a lot of the same personnel in there. But I think it is really interesting. Like, again, I was in that postgame Zoom. Allie Krieger comes in and she's like, I don't even want to talk about the past. Like we have people in place right now. This culture fe- feels different. Like the team feels different we are we are in this kind of like different headspace and i think it is really interesting but like having alex morgan being in this form having sydney larue being in this form and like these are two players that have played together for what a decade plus now at this point i mean right they they were on the 2008 they were on the 2008
0: team so yeah right
1: Right. So like you're finally getting these two players unlocked in a way that is very promising. And granted, you know, it feels very safe to say that Alex is going to head to the Olympics this summer. But still, like the fact that you're getting these early results. I mean, the fact that yes. it's also back to back wins against North Carolina, against Portland. Right. Yes. Like, I mean, I, I'm, I'm in that post game zoom going to Mark Skinner, like, is this a statement week? for the pride. And, you know, as a coach, he did the smart thing of like, let's settle down here. Right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's
1: Cause it is in. May. It is May. <laughs> and like, let's calm down. But I mean, from, from our point of view, right? Like that is a, those are two very statement wins for this team.
0: Yeah. And, and, and back-to-back wins. Right. And, and yes. that North Carolina, yes. that North Carolina win was on the road.
1: Right? Yeah. With, yeah. Against, and this is like their first three games. Of of uh, no. Yeah. This is like their first three game streak without a loss since 2018.
0: Yes. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> I was looking that up last night. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's just, it just,
1: it's, it's good. Like, I think that's honestly, first of all, it's good for the pride, obviously. Like, we cannot overstate. Like, but this is a team, if they really, first of all we've got six playoff spots right in the league this year if they keep this kind of form, like they would absolutely be hitting the playoffs that's a good thing for this league orlando is a team like you think about the new york liberty and the wnba right like them performing well is a good thing for that league it's a good market it's a good roster right like you have potentially one of the stars of the league coming into the new york liberty like Orlando Pride is a team stacked with talent and stacked with players that are, you want them to be successful in the NWSL. It is a good thing for the NWSL if the Orlando Pride has finally figured out whatever missing piece it was and is going to win games. That's a good thing for the NWSL.
0: Especially as, you know, they have a new owner coming in for the entire Orlando club, you know, right. men, men and women's, right? So that means an owner would come in going, Hey, you guys are doing great. What else can I right. help you with? Not, yeah, like, what, let's start hey, from scratch again. Should yeah. I give you more
1: resources? Should I give you more resources? Because it seems like with the little bit that you got, you know, this is all finally working out. So, yeah, I mean, I think you definitely want to be proving a point that the team deserves additional resources and more marketing. And and yeah. I mean, like you think about what Orlando Pride did last year in kind of impossible circumstances of yeah. missing out on the Challenge Cup and still having such an outsized role in the conversation of the league. Like yeah. imagine what the Orlando Pride would be doing if they had like a full-on operation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: and even in that fall series right where they really had a scrape together roster because
1: yeah since they didn't play loan. The Cup, everyone was on challenge
0: everyone was online that they they still drew north carolina twice right like yes you know so and i'm glad yep. from a league perspective like we don't really need any team that's the you know bottom of the barrel laughing stock whatever cliche you want to use right we you, you don't mm-hmm. need um you know like what we had i would say what 2018 whereas orlando and and sky blue like playing i mean i just think about boston
1: breakers
0: yeah yeah (laughs) you know where it's it's like you don't need that it's not good for that team it's not good for the league you know it shouldn't be like oh yeah everyone should beat this team it's like no we talk a lot about you know how competitive the league is the parity and and i don't ever want you know uh, a draftee or a national team allocation to, you know, be assigned to a team that's like, Oh great. My career's over.
1: <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. You know. Or, you know, like that's the team that, I mean, that was the whole thing with sky blue FC, right? Like players were getting drafted and then being like, okay, I will be heading to Europe now. So, I, I mean, and I think we've seen Orlando make those investments in facilities, right? Like they've got the the new training facility and, that is a very nice stadium. I have been there a number of times for yeah. work. Um, it is a very nice stadium. Do I personally enjoy uh, traveling to Orlando in the summer for work? Not so much, but I am also a <laughs> New Englander who does not handle humidity super well. Um, but, you know, I think we've seen it this year, too, not just with the results on the field, but I think about their, their kit this year, like that they went – for that custom they launched it in the space right like there there are ambitions there yes. and i think that is really what we're starting to see is the teams that have maybe not necessarily had and amb- like i just think that we're seeing this new age of teams figuring out yeah. like okay how do we make a splash or how do we do like we we saw it with sky blue fc and the rebrand in the gotham fc right like that right. has ambition yeah, and we're seeing it from teams that I think traditionally, again, I don't want to use laughing stock, but like there was kind of this clear divide of like the Portland, right? The the that kind and the of thing. Not, yeah, exactly. And and so to see this kind of ambition from Orlando from Gotham FC, like again, all of this is just a really good sign for the NWSL kind of across the board.
0: Right. And, you know, Houston's rebrand, which is the whole club. I mean, I can't tell you just the few home games so far, the amount of, of merch of the new logo that that people are wearing. Right. And that yeah. the the promo that the club is doing with it and Kansas City, uh, you know, coming in hot on really short notice. Um, I love that they embrace the red kits. Um, yes. A, a friend of mine. The went color to- scheme is amazing. Yeah, a friend of mine went to um, that game at Children's Mercy Park and they they handed out um, towels and, and he brought me one. And it's like a very nice like microfiber towel, not just some cheap, okay, we just got this towel so we could hand out. It. So it's like yeah. it's a really nice microfiber t- towel and that really great teal. And I'm like, yeah, this is... You know this is really leaning into the we're gonna do this and i and I love that they had what the union station in Kansas City was lit up teal, yeah, and yeah the cotton was teal, yeah it's it's like, yeah, just like we're doing we're not doing this, okay, what marketing can we do with the little that we have so much as it's like we've progressed to a lot of ownership groups that are like, this is a business, and if you're gonna make a business grow, you have to market, invest, right, allocate right. resources, you know. It's, et cetera, so you and I can yeah, get off that absolutely. that soapbox <laughs> now, but it but it is like I mean when you when you mentioned Orlando, it's like, yeah, that's what make, makes you think of it. it's it's like kind of a a change in that um a, a move forward, and you know, I love that we're seeing custom jerseys across the board. Don't love that everybody seems to be leaning into black like that wasn't very well coordinated yeah that's, that a, was, whole, that's yeah. a whole other podcast think. <laughs>
1: I mean that's an MLS thing too though, right? Like that that's a real trend, I think, just kind of across
0: yeah. Yeah. American
1: yeah. soccer in
0: general. Right. Is, but is MLS black, real, yeah. MLS doesn't require all away teams to wear all white. So they're not no, ending up with, they're, not, they're not ending up with a all black, all white look. But anyway, yeah. let's let's talk let's let's switch gears from NWSL to US national team because we got the roster for the US women for the upcoming summer series um which will have a lot of humidity you know because yes. they want to mimic um what it'll yep. feel like for the group stage in in Tokyo so your your first thoughts when when you saw that roster come out
1: i mean really Honestly, we're, I think we're we're pretty much locked in, right? At this point, the only, again, the only thing that I really wanted to see on this roster is that AD French has had a really good start to 2021, right? right? And she's been missing out on camps over the past, you know, like since November, essentially, of last year because she was coming back from injury. She's been playing every single minute for Portland. And like, right. yes, their last... Two games have been losses, so, like, kind of not great timing in terms of <laughs> um, the call-up for her. But just, I mean, Challenge Cup and that first game, like, I mean, she still had some truly incredible saves, and I think that she should absolutely be in the conversation of the school. And distribution. School, so, and, yeah, like, I just, I mean, I, I when when Vlako and Danofsky said she's one of the best goalkeepers in this league, like, I do not think you can argue that. So, I absolutely was hoping that she was going to get this basically her only chance to be in a national team camp environment because right. of the injury situation. Like, again, like I know everybody, my mentions because I said something about French were then filled with comments about Ashlyn Harris, but like Ashlyn Harris is absolutely a known entity. And I know that people kind of ruffle when they hear that thing, but like, there is no reason to think that Flacco is not fully capable of understanding what Ashlyn Harris would contribute to this roster. If she came right. named to it. Right. She, ha-
0: she hasn't been out for multiple months. She's, she's been exactly Exactly. She's been in camp. He knows, he knows. Right. What he has. And
1: so I think, you know, Jane Campbell, I think has, has clearly now kind of shown up on these rosters enough that like, you can kind of get the sense of like, is she getting essentially put into a path? Right. Right. At some point, like to to play a more major role, probably following the Tokyo Olympics. And I think that is kind of the next question that's going to happen after the summer. But so it makes sense to me that Jane Campbell is the one that sticks around. But French deserves a look. Yes. And that that, again, is the one thing that looking at that roster, I did not expect a lot of surprises. Injuries have really been the only things controlling these call-ups for a while now, and so French gets her way back in, having recovered from injury. And then obviously you have Tobin Heath still as um, a training player, like she's still trying to make her way back. And then Julie Arts out after that injury uh, in the first regular season game for Chicago. So I mean, those are really the two names that you're looking for. Of like, you know, Arts is going to be out. So who gets the call-up? Naturally, you think it's going to be someone like Andy Sullivan, which it was. So. We're and kind
0: of at the see, end, right? Yeah, yeah. We're in the I mean, end game now. Macario back because you know, um, you know, she was yeah, ruled out COVID for situation April with Leon. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But I, her form in Leon has absolutely shown that she, if if Macario does not make the Olympic roster, I'm honestly going to be surprised. <laughs> I'm well, honestly like, I just, it, I, I really feel like the writing is on the wall with her too.
0: Well, I like that. With the summer series getting three games, um, even though it's not against the strongest opponents, and and it's hard. I mean, even COVID aside, it would be hard to bring in three opponents that were, you know, the highest rank this close to the Olympics, right? That's that's why you had She Believes, you know, yep. um, and and those European friendlies. But I love that it's three games in a short period. Um, it gives Vlaco even more time to okay let me test you again let me try this i expect this right um yep uh, and putting them in in a pressure cooker at least heat wise (laughs) to see you know (laughs) yeah i'm also as someone
1: traveling for these games i'm also just going like okay this is my test run yeah (laughs) yeah although i i we France was a real good test run when the heat wave went through France in twenty nineteen.
0: Oh uh, my god. Oh my God. I was complaining about that and people ask me, they're like, but you're from Texas. I was like, yeah, and we have air conditioning everywhere. Yeah. Not not so much yeah. in France. <laughs>
1: yep. Yep. It was that was a good that was a good test. I just remember rolling into my Airbnb in Lyon and it was one hundred and five degrees that oh, day. God and no air conditioning there was a single fan in the airbnb and like you couldn't open up the windows right like it was only hotter outside and so i was just freezing a t-shirt over and over like i had a rotation of frozen shirts (laughs) to try to cool off like that was that was what i came up with it was great i
0: like that We'll we'll, we'll call that the world cup method i like that yeah I like that. Well, for the Olympic roster, and, and I like to remind people, yeah, it's an 18-player roster, but they do take four alternates. And yes. the alternate rules are a little different from the World Cup. Because since the World Cup, you have 23. Once the tournament starts, if somebody gets hurt, there, there's there's no replacement players. Olympics, once the tournament starts, you could still replace somebody if there is an injury. You can't just say, Oh, I want to swap somebody. But if somebody gets hurt or is too ill to continue and FIFA and the Olympic committee verify it, you can actually bring in one of those players. Um, So, you know, there is always a chance that you would, you know, have to use someone. It is also weird though, of course, that you've got those four with you training with you. Um, If the team wins, they don't get a medal. You know, um, it's, It's you know, it's weird. weird. And, and so I think as a coach, like, how do you decide, all right, well, you know, I I can't view it as a straight 22 because those four, they'll know that their chances of playing are pretty slim. So I need people Mm -hmm. with the right attitude. And that's, that's what I've been thinking about a lot, because like you said, we're, we're pretty, pretty close to final on this roster. Um, in terms of 22, but it's like, all right, who, who are the, the odd players out? Yeah. And it has to be the right pick. And, and I think that's the kind of thing, uh, you know, when you've got senior players for me, you know, from, from the outside, I'm like, Carly's either in the 18 or she's not in it because, you know, would she be, you know, the right person to be an alternate, right? Say if she's outplayed, you know, knowing what she's said to the press in the past, you know, same for, you know, Ashlyn Harris, would she be, right. you know, mentally okay with like, are you kidding me? I'm the number three well, keeper again. You know that. It, it, yeah. And we don't, but we it's don't not have a backstory rare. on that, but like I, I right. as a coach, like you have to go through like, Hey, it's, it's, it's gotta be the right 22.
1: Right. And also I, I think it it's worth it too, to think about like you're missing your club games, yes. right? And I I would think for, like, Ashlyn Harris, right, like, if she gets tabbed for an alternate, like, why would you not say, like, actually, I don't really want to do that. I would rather go win games in Orlando because we have the chance of making the playoffs or something. Like, that, to me, is also the other challenge of this, too, is you get tabbed to be an alternate, and you then still have to miss the same number of games, and you could potentially have a major impact for your NWSL team. Like, that's the
0: toughest. And while you're gone, you're not playing. So when you come back, in a way, you're out of
1: like, you're, yeah, you're, you're, yeah. It's just, it's a really, it's a really hard sell. And I think about like Heather O'Reilly in 2016, yeah, went as an alternate. Right. And I think that she's also comfortable with that kind of support veteran leadership role. Um, right. but it, it, it is a very, like those four spots are just, they're kind of the worst of both worlds. And it's kind of tough because like, potentially you could like, is it worth it to use it on players that you are thinking about in terms of development for 2023? Is that a better use? Right.
0: right. And, and, and I, and I think
1: so that for, way they get the keepers, tournament experience, yeah. Right. Right. And, yeah, one of them is going to be a goalkeeper, and I think you know the question is: is is Campbell the alternate? Because then you potentially still keep her in the like. It's just yeah, I don't know. It's a really bad situation for everyone, basically. And you know, my I think my concern is that it's going to be like a Christy Mewis, Midge Purse, maybe like Alana Cook, in terms of field players, like these kind of like are they kind of like on the bubble right of this roster yeah. like christy muse is just staring at a midfield that is honestly impossible to crack into but like macario like it's kind of that macario versus muis thing
0: yeah of and and then do you and think then it's is, worth it is Heath healthy
1: Right, right right yeah like and she's a training player she's just,
0: technically not on this roster but she's a training player because right. you know I a, yeah. and I hope we don't have a repeat of the 2016 situation of let me sign a player who might not be able to play um but yeah you want to give that veteran um a fair yeah. shot at at making that roster yep yeah it's, um I, 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 don't, yeah. Again, like, I don't I'm glad oh, I'm oh, not I've never enough. envied Valleco
1: <laughs> I've never <laughs> envied him <laughs> Cause it's just, and this is why I also like, I've kind of resisted being like, here's my 18 or here's my 22, because like, ultimately I think those always kind of show more what I value rather than me trying to think through what, what
0: yeah is yeah. planning.
1: And so like, you know, if I'm making this roster, do I have Christy Mewis in my 18 or as an alter? Ulti- like, I mean, it's just going to tell you what I think about players, which maybe is, is helpful for folks, but like, It's, it's a really weird balancing act too. And I, again, like
0: exercise. Yeah. Yeah. You should try sometime make an Olympic roster of only players, um, who have never been on an Olympic or world cup roster. (laughs) Um, I, I did that the other night. That was kind of fun. (laughs) (laughs) Because of course, and we was so, know, you know, it's like, there's a lot of talent there that, you know, could, you know, I, I mean, it's so much depth. Um, yeah, it's it's tough for Vlako. And I also think about how lucky he is and some of these players are in a way that the Olympics got postponed because I think it's exactly what Carly Lloyd needed in terms of... Yes, and you know, Pino. The, yeah, yeah, and, and Rapinoe, Alex Morgan getting, you know the time with the baby full time to recover a slow pace and not like, Oh my God, I have to make the Olympic roster six weeks after I had a baby. Um, right. And, and that gave Laco time to like, okay, Mew has got more minutes. Macario got more minutes, right. Macario was able to, she wouldn't have been eligible last year. Right. right. You know, right? so yeah. um it's, yeah, it's, it's such an A lot of players situation. are ready all
1: at the same time. <laughs> yeah. So it's a good yeah. problem to have, but it's also, <laughs> again, I just, I don't envy Vlako. But also I think like, you know, he has kind of started already balancing the work of building a team for 2023 while still thinking, okay, like how do I win an Olympic tournament? But having to do both of those at the same time is not how it's traditionally done within the cycle.
0: Well, and, and that's why I, you know, I'm curious too, that, you know, uh, with the four alternates, like in a way it makes sense to let them all be younger players where it's like their chances Sophia of playing Smith, are, maybe? yeah, you know? Yeah. Or, you know, or Hey, Aubrey Bledsoe or Casey Murphy is that number three keeper. Right. De- depending, you know, on, on how things fall out after the, 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 the summer series. Right. Yeah. Like, like, the, so, so they're getting exposed to that environment. They're they're training, the travel, the the stretch of the tournament, especially the Olympics, where it's games every three days with travel in between, which is just right. insane. It's and terrible. you know, it's terrible. yeah. And if listeners ever wonder, it's like the Olympics are just as important as the World Cup. It's like no, they're not because it's a brutal <laughs> tournament, you know. And and there's a reason, right? Like the Olympics is many many sports. The World Cup is just soccer and you know i'm looking forward to the cycle when women's olympic soccer becomes u23 and and i could be an outlier on that but it's like it's just such a brutal schedule right and and it's it's like yeah. it's not it's not meant to be the perfect schedule for soccer right because of course fifa doesn't want anything to take away from the world cup and the olympics right. has, the olympics is like we don't we can't have too many athletes we have to do this all in three weeks you know um and of course, you know, when women started Olympic soccer, it's like it, was, it didn't happen until 96 and there wasn't a lot of competition, right? And, and now there's yeah. more and more competitions happening. So, you know, to me, it would be... I know some of the, the veterans, like, you know, Julie Fowdy's is like, you know, it's not fair that France and Germany aren't going. And I'm just thinking they didn't qualify. Like, there, yeah. there, there shouldn't be a, you know, you automatically get in. And I and, know and for them... It would be like, you know, for, for Foudy and the veterans that won the, the early medals, be like, oh, you can't take it away. It's like, but but it's time for the sport, you know, to, to evolve like that, right? Like,
1: Well, I mean, there's Euros too, right? Like, again, yeah. we have multiple competitions and it's just, I don't know. I mean, it is kind of an interesting thing. I mean, mostly I'm just hoping that FIFA does not give into this extremely stupid idea of World Cup every two
0: years. Like, why? Why does one. that idea itself keep coming up every two years I,
1: it's like we can't kill it i don't know and it, now it's also uh, like for men's it, too yeah for men's too it's just people are i mean greedy that's yeah just, yeah i mean that's it's, why i can't die right because they look at that money and money. they go yeah yeah but then also it would devalue their own product but they're not that smart to figure that out so i mean it's just
0: yeah, what great time! It's, we it, it's in. like it's like the people you know building stadiums going. Shouldn't we make all the seats VIP seats? We'll make yeah. more money that way. It's like, <laughs> no, there's only so many people that are good. Gonna... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, anyway. So, um, what are your thoughts on on the summer series? I mean, I'm I'm excited that we get Jamaica, which has a lot of NWCL players, um, Nigeria, which the US has played so rarely. Uh, yeah, because, you know, that that federation's not all, always keeping that team going. I remember Nigeria pulling out. You probably do, too, from the 2003 game at RFK and U.S. soccer had to scramble and beg Canada to come fill in for them. Um, but I love that. Not only is it Nigeria, it's Nigeria coached by Randy waldrum
1: <laughs> which I always forget about. Um, I mean, I think I'm honestly most excited about the Nigeria game just because we don't tend to see them a lot but i i think that you know this is this is less about the opponents and more about getting looks at players right like this is oh right oh right like she believes cup right was kind of the chance to get the the meaningful tune-ups and now this is kind of like the inward look time so right You know, I think, yes, obviously the results are expected and everything, but fundamentally this is a chance to, A, get three games in in this kind of brief period with some travel, with the heat and humidity. They're going to try to manage minutes, right? Like, I think this is a very internally faced series of games rather than are we ready to face a certain level of
0: competition.
1: And that's not necessarily a bad thing either.
0: And then we'll have the announcement... Apparently right afterwards of what the roster is. Yeah, I think so. it's gonna
1: like be at a very quick because they, they have another game on June first or July first. Like there's not a lot of time in between. Like if it's not within a couple days of the the game on the sixteenth, I'll I'll be surprised also because they have to notify clubs.
0: Well, and how closely will um Vlaco be guarding his notebook during the summer series, right? Because like we're, we're all on the edge of our seats and <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like no you guys don't get to see this part <laughs> i mean so.
1: it is it's gonna be interesting but i also just think that like fundamentally these games are just kind of again like another data point right like these aren't make or break for anyone so, yes, yeah, people are going to yeah. be getting their last looks, right? They, it might be make or break for Franch, who hasn't had a chance to be in a national team camp, but has this kind of, you know, like I think he is truly looking at in the club performance, right? Like that's why I think Macario yes. is in a really good spot right at the moment. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. And and, and I love that he's made that so clear, right? that That it's like, Nobody's got an automatic. You're performing well for your club. I'm gonna give you a chance. You're not performing well. You're not getting getting called in. Um, so that, you know, you know that those those spots are open. And and what I like is, you know, what we're seeing um you know, from the players with with their their clubs, you know, Midge Purse, Crystal Dunn, Alex Morgan, Rapino, it's it's like I feel like we're seeing them engaged with their clubs in a way that perhaps they haven't always been right. Because it is pretty much a challenge to balance the commitment to the national team and your club when the national team itself is kind of like a club.
1: Yeah. I mean, I just think there is a different weight on those club performances. So ultimately I do think it's again, like, and there's so much stuff we don't see right. In terms of training and and all of the other, that stuff that we have no visibility to. And it's an impossible way for right. us to figure out where anyone truly is. But...
0: Because there's always know, the I elusive think, chemistry, right? Of like right, yeah, I the, mean, the, the yeah. Right there's, balance of people.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of stuff that goes into this that we just are never going to be able to fully understand. So, but I think... I do fully trust like Blacko is at these games, right? Like you see him in his little seating area or whatever, but like, I do fully trust that he is watching that. And he's looking at, you know, like if there's something for like Christy Mewis, right? Like if they want to see a certain movement off the ball from her, he is looking for that in games in the NW Cell and saying like, is she, is it, are these players living up to what we want to see out of them both against club and country. And that's, I feel like kind of a new thing.
0: Yeah, totally. Agreed. So let's shift gears again. Let's go up to the Pacific Northwest and tell me what's going on with Olivia Moultrie, uh, yeah. the, the, the teenager who took on the NWSL. Yeah. I or mean, the minor, cause not just a teenager, but <laughs> yeah. under 18. Yeah.
1: So 15 year old player, right. Went, Um, I think she committed to UNC at age 11 and then went pro at 13, signing a contract with Nike and then has been in Portland training with the Thorns slash a part of their kind of youth program for a while, but sued the NWSL on antitrust grounds and it's antitrust because So in theory, the NWSL has an age rule that you have to be 18 to play in the NWSL. And there has also been some debate about where that exists within the official roster rules of the NWSL, but that's a whole side thing that we could go on a rabbit hole about. Anyway, let's say this age rule does exist for the NWSL. Because the NWSL has just arbitrarily decided this age rule, that is a ground for an antitrust lawsuit because other leagues in the US do have age rules but they have all been collectively bargained between the league and the players association. So that opens you up for the antitrust lawsuit and obviously some back and forth stuff. Um, My coworker at the athletic Paul Tenorio has been covering this really since the beginning, but there was a court hearing last week and you know, I think when you, it's kind of like the equal pay stuff, right? Like when you really just boil this down to the most simple version of the argument, it's like, this is happening in MLS. This is happening in USL, right? Which has even, I, I would argue, not as great resources as the NWSL in some ways. Right. Um If she were a 15 or 16 year old boy in either of those leagues, she would be playing. If she were, Uh, a young woman in France or Germany and wanted to play for a professional team in France or Germany, she would be playing, right? It's, it's simply because she were anywhere else. Yeah. If she were literally anywhere else, she would be playing professionally or at least within that, like have a contract, whatever. Right. So she, I mean, she took the stand in this court case sounded, I mean, honestly, like she has a good argument, I think. And The NWSOL came back with kind of two primary arguments, which is, okay, this should absolutely be governed by a CBA. So we shouldn't be sued because we're currently in CBA negotiations with our Players Association, and that is the proper venue to handle this. That's argument number one. Argument number two is, but it's going to cost us money. And actually, because it might cost us money because of child labor laws and having to figure that out, and maybe having chaperones and all this kind of stuff, owners might be less likely to spend money on other things or other players, and that would be bad. Neither of those things are really great legal arguments. And granted, again, I'm a lawyer, <laughs> but like, you are trying to argue the fact that an age rule that you have yourself imposed can't be argued in court because you're currently trying to get it negotiated via a CBA, but technically the rule as it stands now is one that you have just imposed yourself, which is an antitrust (laughs) violation. And then the money one is just like, I don't understand how that's a legal defense at all. So last week we get a temporary restraining order in favor of Olivia Moultrie saying she can sign a contract with a team or they can offer her one, right? Like the age limit is basically thrown out for essentially 14 days, which is the judge has basically said, I agree with the merits of Olivia Moultrie's case. I'm basically... very likely to find against the NWSL, but I also find this kind of immediate harm to Olivia because she cannot play right now. And that is affecting her career. And I view it as an immediate harm. And thus I have to issue this temporary restraining order and fix it right now. And we'll figure out the rest of it later. It is not good for the NWSL. And now the question becomes, are they smart enough to understand that they need to stop fighting this and and let this happen basically and move on to actually negotiating a CBA and stop paying like eight antitrust lawyers, a lot of money (laughs) to lose them a court case. Yeah. That's the step that we're at now is are they smart enough to figure that out and actually go hammer out a CBA? Because that's the, that's the thing that's going to resolve this.
0: And it, it doesn't even acknowledge like we're into year nine and there hasn't been a there's cba. Yeah, no, CBA. Now, now obviously there's yeah. been a US national team cba, but that's between US Soccer and the national team and US Soccer yeah. have to pay their individual salaries, but there's been no collective bargaining agreement. And that's just Right. I mean that that's we're way behind the times, you know, on on that count. Um it does sound like there's one in in progress but like you said it's, it's like yeah let's do that instead yeah. of these court cases <laughs> but what what All happened right. for Moultrie now like does this mean that she can with that restraining so order can she fund- sign can she try out what
1: Yeah, so the fun part, though, is also, like, she's now subject to the other very strange whims of NWSL roster rules. So, like, I think technically Portland has to, like, make sure that they have a discovery claim on her, and, like, there's no visibility to this part of it. So (laughs) the question just becomes, like, is some other team going to do, like, a pure NWSL move and be like, hey, we want to put a claim on Olivia Moultrie and then basically, like, extort allocation money out of portland so that way they can actually make an offer on this kid because that would just be like the extra great wrinkle in this very strange court case <laughs> and i can see someone being that that salty yeah. about it i can just see it happening but, have they I had mean, her, fundamentally have they
0: had her on yeah. their discovery this whole time
1: but we we have no visibility to discovery list so we have no idea but that's kind of the next thing is a contract can be offered. She can start playing and then either the court case gets decided by like a an injunction, basically, like they have to meet an, another time to sort of settle it or they could actually just, the NWCL could say, okay, we'll accept this. We'll settle essentially. And then we will focus on the CBA. Like those are the two kind of paths, but technically she can be signed by a team in theory that would be Portland. But again, it depends on she's now subject to the whims of discovery, I would assume.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, the the unknown pathway, because like I said, it should be discovery. But if it's not, yeah, like they've really never designated a pathway for minors. Yes. You know, the ones that, the and ones in ones that are coming like, out of college. That completely.
1: was kind of an argument. Yeah, that was an argument of, well, because she missed the draft earlier this year, there's no mechanism for it. But there is technically like you yeah. could put her through the discovery process. So that's kind of what I'm assuming is happening is that is happening behind the scenes. But I, I would assume that Portland, you know, everything that we have been told so far is Portland wants to offer her a contract. Do I expect her to start? On this team or get significant playing minutes. No, not really. But she said in court multiple times, all I want is a chance to right. earn the right to play.
0: The the same chance that anybody else would have it.
1: Yeah. If yeah. I were
0: in another country or if I were a boy in this country. yeah, right.
1: She's not expecting to, to walk into a starting eleven role. And I don't think anyone should be expecting her to walk into a starting eleven sort of role. It would be, you know, five minutes, you know, a debut, right? Like you're trying to develop a player. That's what this
0: is. Well, and I wonder, too, um that, you know, she has been training with the team. Mm-hmm. How does that work if if you're not signed? Yeah. Like, is that, you know, how does the league protect itself liability wise? Are there issues because she's a minor? It's like, you know, that hasn't come up because that's not really part of this yeah. legal case. But uh, But I'm like... Does that open up a, a a can of worms in terms of what if all these teams start having minors train with them that aren't signed? Like does you know yeah. or or is that is yeah. that not it? it just it it made me really curious.
1: Yeah, I don't know if we have a good answer for that one yet, but I mean that's that's part of the, I guess the league's argument is like this It's a problem. Money.
0: <laughs> well, at least sure. a good thing for Portland um signing her would not require any current player to be cut, at least not for roster size reasons. You know, Um mm-hmm. I don't, we don't know where they are related to their salary cap, but they, they only have 22 signed players right now. So it's not like she would be um taking anybody's spot, yeah. you yeah. know? Um you know and and a couple of the portland players have have spoken out for her as horan said if you know if you're good enough you're you're old enough and you know of course i think it would be a whole separate podcast discussion with uh maybe some some research on like is it good for minors to be playing but because i I, i'm torn on that but that's you know it's it's that's irrelevant to what she's fighting for right now is like if i lived anywhere else in the world i would have this right so why don't i have this right here so i I thought it was kind of cool that the the judge was like yep that's pretty simple okay
1: (laughs) It, it like when you boil it down to that it is very simple and and i think that again legally I, fundament, The way that I keep trying to look at this is, does the age rule in the NWSL, quote-unquote, that exists, right, is that actually an antitrust violation? And I think, yes, it is. <laughs> like, that's kind. Of, it is a pretty simple framing. But from even a, a legal standpoint of the NWSL basically, you know, copied a lot of roster rules over from MLS, minus the fact that you can sign underage players. But I think they did it out of a sense that they were not going to be able to handle it from a, a protection safety cost standpoint. So like, yes, I understand what was happening, but right. they have also opened themselves up to this line of, of reasoning, yeah. which I think is legally correct. Though, again, I, I only play a lawyer when I am forced
0: to cover. <laughs> well, and, and if, legal the CBA, if the CBA ultimately, You know, with the non-national team players, ultimately said, yeah, you have to be 18. You know, that sounds like something that Moultrie would it would accept, right? Because that would be that would be again, like that is negotiated.
1: Yeah. So, and and the judge even said, like, I'm going to frame this decision that it does not, it should not impact CBA negotiations, and that's what the NWSL Cup saying, like they're going to see this and then they're going to say, well, we should have underage play, and that might not be a priority for the the PA. Yeah. Which is fine, but also then it is. An actual negotiated thing,
0: right? That everybody got got their say. And I wonder too. I'm not sure if this is still current, but aren't there some sports in the Olympics that have minimum ages? And is World Cup like maybe you have to be 16? That's or... a great question. I do not. Yeah, and, yeah do and, kind of like, and And <laughs> even if even if one are pulling up, it it might not not even be current. But I I know there there are minimum ages, but they're probably regulated by each like for the olympics it's probably regulated by each individual sport like, right They're they're yeah, i, would governing bet. I mean like you think yeah. about
1: like gymnastics right like yeah yeah they're all very young
0: yeah so because i because i feel like like when she was 13 and she was making a splash i was i was like wow that's really young like has yeah has her body developed, right? Where it's like at least we know women tend to hit their, you know, the, the full maturity of their bodies sooner than boys do, right? That tend to keep growing like, you know, th- through college. So I could totally see like 15, 16, she's at her full height, right? Like, yeah. That 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 kind of thing. So, uh, you know, I would I'd be really curious to know what what the players association like if they talk about this, if this if that ends up being you know something something that they add, but uh you know, good yeah. for her and, and good for this judge who, who made it really simple and it's not stretching on and on like, you know, the other...
1: Yeah, much faster. Much faster. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and, and, and because we've been talking so long, I'm not even going to, you know, ask you about the other national team lawsuit stuff because, of course, they were, the, the, those, those are still going. You know, right now we've we've got, we've got some NWSL, we've got some summer series, and in, what, three weeks we'll have uh, an yeah. Olympic roster. I know. It's a lot. So, <laughs> Get ready. Um, at least we know, I mean like you said it's it, I think it's it's come down to that core but oh those final cuts. Like Yeah, I, it's going
1: to be tough. It's yeah, going to be really tough.
0: Yeah, we love you Vlako. We're glad we're not you. Well, Meg, yeah. thank you so much for taking the time to to walk through all of this. Be a really good pseudo lawyer. I really appreciate it. <laughs> and and for all your work on the athletics. Thanks so much.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Time for a little planning. Today's topic, Olympic roster size compared to Women's World Cup roster size. And I know I've talked about this in the past, but I think it's been a while. And of course, we're coming up pretty close to when Lako Nanovsky will name the final roster for the Tokyo Olympics. So World Cup, each team takes 23 players. They have alternates named, even though we don't generally know who they are. But the alternates cannot be used once, once the tournament starts. Once your team starts playing, yeah, if someone goes hurt, that's it. You still have your 23. Olympics is a little different. First, it's a slightly shorter tournament. Uh, there's only 12 teams, so there's no round of 16. So they go straight to quarterfinals. So teams are playing at most six games instead of a possible seven for the World Cup. It's also, as we all well know, not a soccer-only event, and it has to be crammed into a three-week window. Um, It's so tough to get both the men and women's soccer tournaments in uh, the schedule that they kick off those tournaments before the opening ceremonies and the gold medal matches are played, like, right as the Olympics are ending. So it's, it's a different kind of environment, right? Um, the reason that the men is a U23 tournament for the Olympics is because FIFA doesn't want anything competing with the importance of the World Cup. Um, and on a separate topic that I, that I think Meg and I mentioned in our chat that, you know, I, I think at some point we might see the Olympics become U23 for women's. But that being said, because the Olympics is such a big event and not just soccer only, there's so many athletes that they're very conscientious about keeping rosters as small as possible. Like back in the day, it used to be for swimming, it would be the, the fastest three people per country, and now it's just two. Um, same for figure skating, other, other things like that, just that uh, they really have to think about what's the most amount of athletes uh, that they can manage. And that all of that was you know well before you had your COVID concerns. So that's the reason that the Olympic roster size is 18. Now you're allowed to name four alternates, and those alternates, you can travel your alternates. Uh, the federation, the U.S. Soccer Federation, if they do that, and they almost always do, they have to pay uh, f- for the travel for those athletes. Unlike all your your main roster, uh, the Olympics covers it. And unlike the Women's World Cup, if a player gets injured during the tournament, you are allowed to move up a player from your alternate list onto your pool of 18. Now the players who's injured can't come back later uh, but you do have a way to mitigate a loss uh, of a player. So they name 18, they name four alternates, one of the alternates has to be a goalkeeper. So we know three goalkeepers and 19 field players will be selected by Vlako and Anofsky for the Tokyo Olympics. Um, So as much as that 22 is interesting. I, I, I think it's important to look at both the 18 and the 22. I think everyone's been so 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 focused on the 18, they forget that there is those other four, and those other four will be gone from NWSL and could possibly have a chance to play. Um, something to keep in mind because uh, this came up in 2016 as well. Say Vlakonanovsky names uh, a somewhat injured Tobin Heath. To the roster, And then it turns out once she gets there that they just they think she's not going to be able to play. They cannot replace her on the roster. The, whatever injury happens that takes someone off the roster has to be a new injury, not, oh, we thought she could play and then we decided she couldn't, if that makes any sense. So that's the big reason that Olympic roster sizes are smaller. There's just not as much space for athletes. It's not obviously not the only event going on. And that's why those alternates can move on to the team for the Olympics in a way that they can't for the Women's World Cup. Um, I also think it's interesting that in the World Cup, um, well, obviously, all 23 players get medals and the coaches get medals. In the Olympics, only the 18 get medals, not the four alternates. Um, and the coaches don't get medals. But that's a whole other topic. So hope, hope, hopefully that helps explain you know, why this roster situation is a little bit different and I'm just thankful I'm not Vlad Kononovsky because that's going to be a really tough decision. All right. Time to wrap it up with the back four. We've got one more weekend of NWCL action before the June FIFA break. Most, but not all international players will still be with their clubs. Uh, you can check out my Google sheet of NWSL rosters by club, which is available under the WOSOPedia link at KeeperNotes.com. The first tab of that Google sheet shows you all the call-ups that I've been able to find so far and the availability, if known, uh, of the players. Um, in some cases, you have players departing before this weekend, some departing after. Um, But it's cool to see so many NWSL players getting called up. So, of course, the U.S. players, they've got three games coming up in the June FIFA window. They've got two doubleheaders in Houston, followed by a game in Austin. Uh, U.S. soccer deliberately chose a pretty hot, sticky environment with games close together with a little bit of travel to mimic what the first round of the Olympics is going to feel like. So Thursday, June 10th, you've got USA versus Portugal followed rather. I, I guess Jamaica, Nigeria will be played before that Sunday, June 13th. You've got Portugal, Nigeria followed by USA, Jamaica. And then Wednesday, the 16th that moves to Austin, you just USA, Nigeria, just one game for that one. The first two doubleheaders, uh, the U S games will be on Fox sports. One, e- one of the ESPN channels will carry the game in Austin. Have not heard yet about the other games but I'm sure they'll be picked up somehow. Um, Tickets are on sale. I think the public sale begins. I think it's already begun actually. Um, Lots of options and it does sound like they're gonna sell to near capacity. Uh, But hey always worth watching on TV right? And of course it's June so it's Pride Month. Uh, Be sure to check out the store online store of your favorite NWSL club or clubs as the case may be. I'm sure they all have Pride merch, and I bet we'll see some from U.S. Soccer and Nike, some new Pride merch, that is, once the Summer Series launches. And last but not least, if you haven't taken a look at the sneak peek of my sell almanac that has everything from 2013 to 2020, including the 2020 Challenge Cup and Fall Series, uh, go to KeeperNotes.com, click on Almanacs, or click on Wikipedia. You can check it out. You can buy it. Uh, in print or in PDF or both. All right, that's it for this episode of the Mix Zone Women's Soccer Podcast. Want to give a big shout out to Roughneck Scars, Scarves <laughs> and also IcarusFC.com. Best place to go if you want some custom soccer jerseys and you don't want the same old cookie cutter templates from Adidas and Nike Big shout out, of course, to my producer, Sean Ringrose, whose podcast you can check out at anchor.fm slash Jen Orange. And that's Jen as in generation. And thanks to all of you who listen, share, tweet about it, send me a message in Twitch chat, whatever. Always appreciate that. Happy to answer questions anytime. Keeper at keepernotes.com. And big, big thanks to the Beautiful Game Network for hosting this podcast. But now she's everybody's girl. You know she's everybody's girl.